This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. How are you all doing today? I'm going to preach a sermon on a sermon. How's about that? Have you ever heard a sermon on a sermon before? Turn to me to the book of Matthew and chapter 7 and put your thumb in it. I hope you've got your Bibles with you uh, today. Have you? You know, it's good to bring your Bible with you. If it glows, that'll do. Just switch it up on version now. It's just a, such a great work that Life Church uh, do in making the Bible accessible for everyone for free, isn't it? And uh, that news today of the children's app in British English is superb uh, news for all of us. So are you at there yet at Matthew chapter 7, verse 1? Park your finger in there and let me give you some of the background. I find this passage of scripture fascinating. It starts at Matthew chapter 5, and it's the story, or it might be illustrated in your NIV Bible as the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. And the Bible, or Matthew's Gospel, um, he says that uh, Jesus goes to a mountainside, and all the crowds of people sit down, and he begins to teach them. And he starts with the Beatitudes and says, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor, blessed are... And he goes through all of this and he goes through a huge, huge, long uh, list of things that uh, speak about the kingdom of heaven and speak about the life of the Christian. And we can all read the Beatitudes or we can all read the Sermon on the Mount and become disconnected from it. We can read it and say, aren't those really, really nice words? Or we can, as the Bible teaches us, we can do what it says. We can connect with God's word and we can apply it to our lives. If you read from Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 6 and even here into Matthew chapter 7, there's one theme that goes all the way through it. That is the thread that Jesus wants us to understand. And it's the thread that is the success of kingdom living. It's the thread that is the success of every church. It's the the thread that's the success of the gospel. And it's the thread that is the success of every Christian. And it's the thread of relationships. Say it after me. Relationships. Come on, are you half awake there? Come on, let's wake everybody up. The thread of relationships. Relationships are important, aren't they? They really are. Good relationships are even better. You can have a bad relationship and they can sometimes go south, but there's nothing like a great relationship. And in uh, the great commandment, where Jesus takes the ten commandments and sums them up in two, he says, this is the greatest commandment, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. It's about relationship. It's about having a relationship with God and about having a relationship with each other and our neighbor. And it's off the context of this thread of relationship, of how we act towards God and how we act towards each other and even act towards our enemies, he talks about in the chapter before, that he gets to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. So read with me, it'll be on screen for you to follow as well. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Wow, isn't that the phrase of our society? Don't judge me, isn't it? Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, 
you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Say with me, hypocrite. hypocrite. You hypocrite. Good word. First, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Let's pray. Father God, as we turn to this passage of scripture at the end of the sermon that you spoke 2,000 years ago for us and that we read today, Lord, may you help us in this area of relationship, both with you and with one another. Lord, that we might learn to live peaceably, that we might be not peacekeepers, but we might live as Matthew commands us in his word from your words, that we are not peacekeepers, but we are peace, peacemakers. And that we are proactive in the way that we uh, maintain our relationships with you and with, another, with one another. Lord, open our hearts and our minds and our souls to you this day, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of my message to you today is called Unoffendable unoffendable are you and am i unoffendable are we because the attitude that we can have sometimes we spoke last week about the subject of tolerance didn't we and we spoke about the tolerant christian and what was the phrase that we used for goodness sake grow up and we could talk about all this tolerance, but I want to take it a little bit further and ask, what is our attitude sometimes when we really want to say to ourselves, to other people, for goodness sake, grow up, don't we? Don't you feel like saying that sometimes? In fact, it happened here on Friday night. I nearly came that close to saying it. Where's Dan here? Come out here, Dan, uh, this morning. There was a little incident that happened on Friday night in the, in the kitchen. Uh, we were down here for youth. Can you tell everybody what happened on Friday night in the kitchen? Because Dan has this thing, you know, like a, uh, a, a, a cloth uh, that you use for uh, drying dishes. Because James and uh, Paul Rankin and myself were drying the dishes after everybody else, weren't we? That's what we were doing. And he picked up the dishcloth and started swinging around and show with your hands what you actually do with a dishcloth and what you do to people as a, a sign of your love and affection for them. What do you actually do, Dan? What is that? I went... Oh, you do a, like a little whiplash with yeah. it, do you? Mm. Yeah, okay. And I understand that on Friday night, your caring, loving pastor was on his way out through the kitchen door where you decided to express your love to the pastor. What did you do? I whipped him. <laughs> <laughs> did you whip him hard? Yeah. You did. And did you catch him beautifully? Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Good job I got skinny jeans on this morning. Oh, I would show you my bruise. I have got a big bruise on my leg. I have. Uh, but I won't, uh, I won't make all the women jealous in the room by doing so. So tell me what happened uh, when you whipped it. What was the reaction of your pastor? <laughs> Don't hold back. Tell him the truth. Well, the look was... <laughs> give it a give the look again watch it here it goes that's like the slide we saw of andrea earlier on isn't it i turned around because what do you think happened in my head when i experienced the pain I cried. 
Yeah, I turned around and my instant reaction was like, who did that? And guess what I had to do immediately? Because those of you that know me know I'm a fiery character. And so I had to quickly just walk out of the room, close the door after me, calm my head down, because I really wanted to have that first reaction that we all have when stuff happens to us, don't we? So hopefully, Dan, I became unoffendable at that moment. Give him a round of applause. Because what happens is stuff happens to us all the time. In between stimulant, in between the stimulation of things that happen to us, and our response is a moment called choice, where we can decide how we are going to respond or react to the things that are around us. And Jesus says, do not judge or you will be judged. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? Because how many of you have seen, plen- yeah, seen sawdust before? You know, can I put sawdust in someone's eye? Yeah, we need a volunteer this morning. Is there, oh, look, there's two volunteers that are willing to go. You know, sawdust is kind of stuff that can easily get into our eye and it disrupts us, doesn't it? And we can go and we can walk around in life and see sawdust that's in someone's eye. We can point it out. We can see the sawdust of maybe their bad attitude. And the things that you've got bad attitude there, you should be putting it right. And and you, you should be a lot more patient. And pastor, that reaction and that look that you gave to to Dan in the kitchen on Friday night, that's not becoming a pastor in the church. You should behave a lot, lot better than that. Shall I go on and on? Okay. And secondly, (laughs) and secondly, you know, the way that you raise your kids is, is inappropriate. Your preaching is lightweight at best sometimes. You use all these kind of illustrations to try and communicate God's word. What we need is doctrine and theology and all the time. And, and soon as we walk around with a plank in our own eye, we become people that are quite dangerous to live in, live with, don't we? Because we are people that are walking around with planks all the time pointing out the specks of sawdust that are in other people's. And Jesus says, you hypocrite, get rid of your own plank first, and then maybe, just maybe, you'll have the right to talk to other people that have got sawdust in their eyes. What makes a plank? Wood. In fact, we've got lots of modern-day woods that we have today, haven't we? Marine board. Every carpenter in here will know what marine board is. Chipboard. MDF. Modern-day woods are made out of what, guys? Anybody want to answer that one? (laughs) Are made of wood particles. In fact, MDF is made of sawdust. They pull it together and glue it. And then sawdust. Look out when other liquids get onto sawdust, isn't it? Look out when water gets onto MDF, what happens? It, smel- it swells and it explodes. And so we come to Jesus and the very water of the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. He begins to reveal and show all the sawdust that's in our lives. And we're duty-bound to get rid of it. If we don't get rid of all the collection of sawdust that is in our lives and in our hearts, it's big enough to make a plank. And what are the sawdust and what are the planks that we need to get a rid of. Well, a plank is a collection of lots of little things. It would maybe sawdust of bitterness, sawdust of envy, sawdust, I'll hoover it up after, <laughs> sawdust, 
So you, I, I can see the cleaning team now. One second. Shall I read again? Cleaning team, for your benefit this morning. Do not judge. Or you too will be... Isn't it? Because that's what we do straight away. We think of, you know, all the stuff that... Yeah, but is that necessary? We're trying to get into God's Word this morning. And we're trying to understand that all our planks are made up of a collection of a lot of different things that are in our bad attitudes. Envy. Jealousy. Anger. Lust. All the things in our lives that we are supposed to bring to Jesus, leave at the foot of the cross. And so often we judge others. Don't we? We judge others. You know, someone once says, don't judge someone else because they've got a different type of sin to you. Don't judge others because they've got a different kind of sin than yours. There's been many a pastor that has been, God forbid, you know, the human, I know. But there's many a pastor that has fallen And there's been things going on in their lives where they're still in ministry, judging and speaking into other people's lives while they are having an affair with somebody else in the church. What kind of wrongness is that? And we can look at them, can't we? And we can, with our plank, turn to some of these men that have fallen and we can say, aren't they hypocrites? Well, first... Shall we just take the sawdust, first um, take the plank out of our own eye before we point our fingers at somebody else? Do not judge, he says, or you too will be judged. And you'll be judged according to the measure that you judge everyone else. So I want to take five things from the passage of Scripture this morning, that, uh, from this whole section. You can go back and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 for yourselves. But I'm taking five things from the text today that I want to communicate to you, that if you do so, you will become unoffendable. And I'll explain to you why. Because the plank and the sawdust is all about you, not anyone else. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate here. He's trying to say, if you want a great marriage, guys, if you want a fantastic relationship with your wife, then look at yourself and sort yourself out first and you'll have a fantastic marriage. If you want to be a better dad, don't blame your children. Look at yourself. In fact, in the words of the king of pop, if you want to make a difference, take a look at yourself in the mirror and then make a change. Thank you, Joel. You're a bit off key there. So, we're going to use this acronym. Let's come it up on screen for you now. Um, and we're going to use the word SPEC this morning to look at uh, five things here that we need to be doing. So the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to stop and think. So that reaction... Like Friday night in the kitchen with Dan. We have got to stop and think. And sometimes, a lot of the time, we want to say some stuff that pops into our head. Don't we sometimes? Or is it just me that says it? Or does it? That there's certain things that happen and it pops into our head. Let me share you a really hilariously funny story. And this story happened over at Tiradai Lane here years ago. And I'm driving along, and it's one of the reasons I couldn't have a fish on the back of my car, because sometimes my driving is unchristian-like, I've got to be honest. And I'm trying to deal with it. I'm doing much, much better with it at the moment. But sometimes when I'm behind the wheel, I just... Who are these drivers? Do you get that? Who are they? They, 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 We have to use indicators. They don't. 
We have to go around roundabouts in a normal fashion. They don't. They can use inside lane, outside lane. They can use what? And do you know, I used to get so annoyed and angry. And do you know, these days, I just chill about the whole thing. I found myself doing one practice in particular that I found very cathartic and therapeutic. You know, in the contraflow system where people are going up that fast lane and you're going from three into two into one, I've started just letting them in in front of me. And I see the drivers behind. And I found that for me, letting them in just does something weird in my life. I'm just let them in. Nobody's died. They might want to get somewhere in a hurry. I'm okay on time. Let them in. So we have got to decide how we are going to stop and think about our attitudes and behaviors before we say things and before we do things. So, if we're going to talk about four particular um, areas at this moment in time, but I want you to understand that applying our faith in our society to those of our friends and our family, to whoever we leave, live with, is all about a matter of perspective. Perspective is the key. And what happens, all of us are given by God a toolbox by which to go through life and there's certain things that are in this toolbox that can help us or harm us in the way that we approach relationships you see because what most people have got in their toolbox to find the speck that's in somebody else's eye and to give it perspective what most people have is a magnifying glass and what they do you see is because they are holier than you and holier than me, definitely. They decide to use the magnifying glass to find every speck that is wrong with your life. And all the time they walk around with this magnifying glass, trying to find everything that's wrong. Pastor, the church needs hoovering and needs cleaning up. Pastor, this person spoke badly to me this week. Or they'll send an email in and say, you know, this is wrong. You know, it shouldn't be this way. And they point all the things out just to me. Well, I would hate to know what it's like to live with those people. Because I tell you what, they are finding everything wrong in everything that's around them. And they're pointing this out wrong and pointing that out wrong all the time. Because if we use this, it comes with this. The plank and the magnifying glass are perfect partners together. And soon we become miserable, horrible people to live with. Nobody wants to be with you. Because you're the type of person that turns a molehill into a mountain. Not by itself. It's always been a molehill. It's just you've got the magnifying glass. And suddenly when you look through it, that molehill becomes a huge mountain. In fact, when you look at a speck of sawdust, because you've got such a big plank in your own eye, the speck of sawdust becomes a plank itself. And everything around you is destroyed, absolutely destroyed, because you have decided to use the magnifying glass that's in your toolbox to give you the perspective that you think is right, but is so wrong. And that's, as we talked before about being a, a radical Christian, the message that Ian spoke uh, two weeks ago. Great, great message. Get it. It's about being radical in the way that we get rid of stuff from our lives. It's about being a radical Christian and living life the way God intended for us to live and the way Jesus preaches. No holes barred. We can't do the stuff that we used to do. We can't be bitter. If you come to Christ, then for goodness sake, can we change? Can we reflect his glory? 
Can we become, as people, unoffendable? That anybody can say anything to us, and it's like water off a duck's back. So how do we change our perspective? You see, well, what Jesus does, is that's what our carnal man wants to do so often, isn't it? And so often I want to get the magnifying glass. That's how I do it when I'm driving. And when I'm driving, sometimes I think, oh, he shouldn't do this, he shouldn't do that. I remember the time that I was at Tiradai Lane, and I came up to the corner. This is a story I was going to share with you. I came up to the corner there, and someone literally just cut me up. And I turned around with like my angry face. I was about to go, you stupid idiot. And guess who it was? My pastor. <laughs> I was about 15, 16. No, I couldn't have been that age because I was driving. I was maybe 18, 19, 21 or whatever it was. And I turned around and I was going to really give my own pastor a piece of his mind for his driving. Because I was driving with a magnifying glass, pointing out everybody's ills. But know what Jesus encourages us to do? He says, you hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. What he says is, if you want to use this, use this there. Use this to shine in your life and see, test me, O Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me to your life everlasting. We need to point this one place, folks, the magnifying glass, into our own souls. But the second thing that we've got in the toolbox that we can use, which is a very, very powerful thing, and I would encourage all of us to try and get a better perspective, is to get rid of our magnifying glass and swap it for one of these. Instead of looking around at others trying to find what's wrong, we can look at others all the time and we can say, hey, what's going on in your life? What's going on in my life? Hey, you're, you've got bad attitude. What about my attitude? Hey, I'm not sure you're parenting right there. I'm not sure I agree with it. Well, what about my parenting? I'm not sure she is being a, a good partner to a, her husband. Am I being a good partner to my wife? We need to pick up a mirror, folks. We need to shine it into our own souls. Magnify that. You hypocrite. What does Jesus say? First, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you'll be able to see clearly. And you know what happens slowly over time? It's called the work of sanctification. That's what the theology of it. We come to Jesus Christ. We accept his forgiveness. And we repent, we change direction in our lives, we go a different way. And as we walk with Jesus, the work of sanctification should be at work in our life that we change, that we actually become nicer people. Nicer people. Is that possible? Can we become nicer people? I tell you what, we can. I want to finish with these three things. So, we've got to stop and think. We've got to get things right into a matter of perspective and learn to use the mirror instead of the ma magnifying glass in our lives. And I want to leave you with three things here that, that uh, Jesus talks about. And Paul the Apostle does loads of teaching about these three areas of our lives. That if we apply it to our lives, we will, by in doing so, become unoffendable. Because becoming offendable is all about you. I'm pretty unoffendable. I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty unoffendable. I'm pretty unoffendable because 
My parents brought me up to, you know, with all the stuff that was in our house, you know, arguments between me and my brothers and everything. We had to sort it out. We had to say sorry. <laughs> we had to sort things out. Like, like, you know, mum and dad would not allow any kind of arguments and disunity to go ahead in our house or in our family at all. And so I think it comes from a framework that me and my brothers have been brought up, which is, you know, that we just... We've got each other's backs. And I tell you what, if, if it's the easiest thing in the world for my brothers to use this on me, you know, simple. I got loads of, I don't know about sawdust in my life. They're probably looking for planks in my life. But it's the easiest thing in the world to do. But if we do these three things that my parents taught me, and I believe they taught me because it comes from God's word, and they lived a godly life, then if we apply these things to our lives, we will find ourselves having an effective perspective on the way that we do relationships with one another. So the first thing that we've got to do is to learn to encourage people. The the, um, fantastic uh, leadership and uh, management guru, Ken Blanchard, um, talks about various different types of management styles that you can use. And one of the management styles that he talks about, we've all heard about, you can manage people with a carrot and the stick, can't you? And we all know that the carrot is way, way more powerful than the stick, don't we? Yeah, we all know that. Come on, 21st century management, we all know that. And what he says is this. We need to adopt a management style of catching people doing something right. Such a powerful thing, isn't it? That instead of maybe walking around the warehouse and seeing stuff that's out of kilter or whatever, trying to encourage our team and encourage people, trying to lift them up by finding out the things that they're doing right. That doesn't mean that we don't speak into situations that we see in a godly way and we we don't preach on stuff, so we're not ducking issues here. We're dealing with a huge, huge issue here, church, in the area of relationships. We're not ducking away from it. But what we're trying to do is to teach it in the way that Jesus commanded it, not to use the Bible as a sledgehammer. Not to be done like that. Do not judge lest you be judged yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, read it. But he uses it as a tool for effective life-changing transformation. God's a God of grace and love. Absolutely wants us to change. A few people I've learned over time don't change with discouragement. They don't change by you telling them all of what's wrong in their life. They don't change by you telling them, pick your boots up, you shouldn't live like that. They will change that if we inspire them, and attract them to a cause that's greater than themselves, and they can see how they fit into God's wonderful world and what they can do. So can I ask you, are you an encourager? Are you? Are you? Are you an encourager? Because if so, give me some evidence. Who have you encouraged today? Did you get up this morning and say, you're looking wonderful this morning, darling, to your wife? You went, Mike did. Are we encouraging? You know, um, uh, there's, a, there's a little video that you can get on YouTube. It says we should, we should uh, parent our kids like we parent our dogs. And there's a picture of a, a guy that comes down in the morning and his, his child has been has, has, has spilled, tried to make breakfast himself and got Cocoa Pops and spilt it all over the floor. And he goes in and he, he scolds the kid. What are you doing, you idiot? There's Cocoa Pops. Tidies up. Get away. And, and he sorts it all out. And then the same thing happens when he goes into the utility. 
he comes into the utility and the dog has put all the food everywhere in the utility it's a total mess and he turns around to the dog he says oh you silly dog what have you done now puts the dog out the door and he cleans up the mess maybe we should change that approach maybe he should treat the dog like he treats his kid or maybe he should treat the kid and the dog just the same encouragement are you an encourager i trust that you are i love the way you encourage our youth i love the way that you encourage our preaching and teaching team i love that you way that you encourage every volunteer here i am privileged to be part of probably the most encouraging church on the planet and i respect love and admire for you for it but can we do more can we do more can we catch people doing something good can we speak to someone and say that really meant a lot to me can we just encourage them so that it helps all of us to find our place in the world and instead of finding the fault in people we learn to see the good in people because it's easy to spot the fault isn't it we all as people learn to encourage and learn to see the good in everyone instead of the bad e for encouraging c for complaining complaining changes nothing isn't it is that right actually complaining does change changes you when you complain it makes you bitter it makes you like a really horrible person because and if some people that can complain oh they go on and on and on oh brexit donald trump or whatever oh come on let's go should we should we all have a good old moan now about it theresa may what she oh you, you know we can, it's the easiest thing in the world to have a good old moan oh, look look sawdust on the carpet who's gonna have to clean that up after oh i don't know we could complain and mourn all we like can we or maybe what we should do is encourage and say come on folks let's clean the carpet let's do it together Let's roll our sleeves as we'll get this licked in 10 seconds. In fact, I was tempted at one point this morning. I thought, shall I just go for it and put all of this out on the floor? Shall I? Let's be people that don't complain. You know, and it's so difficult to do. And this message, I tell you what, I could see this coming back to haunt me with the children and my wife that will be telling me to listen to this podcast because I am so... In my passion sometimes as a person to want excellence in all we do, it's the easiest thing sometimes to just say, that's not, this not, you know, let's learn to see the good and see past that and inspire people towards excellence and let's stop complaining. And finally, kindness. Let's show kindness to other people. Kindness is an influencer. And this is a big one. Can I ask you to do loads of acts of kindness this week and see how it changes you? Okay, I want you really to take up an exercise this week. I want you to start making cups of tea for loads of people in the office. I want you to start when you get in there, maybe on a Monday morning, and you get into the, the staff shared kitchen. There's going to be the usual sight maybe that you will see of like maybe stuff unwashed or whatever. That you would be the person that serves other people and that you would just shower your office or your workplace or your home with acts of kindness and see how it changes you see how it changes the attitude because instead of seeing the dirty dishes what will happen is you'll just go i'll clean the dishes and you'll get on with it 
and put them all away. And there's a sense of something amazing happens in our lives when we serve. Christ came not to be the king of the world. He already was the king of the world. But he came not to be served, but to serve. And we, when Jesus Christ comes into our lives, we put away planks. We get rid of them. And we take on a life of service for the kingdom. And that's why I thank God for such an awesome team here. You know, we laugh about the, the cleaning team. But every week we come into church and it's spotlessly clean, don't we? Because of the, the volunteers that make all of this place happen. So, you, you know, what do you think they get up with on a, on a Saturday morning? Do you think they get up thinking, hey, we're going to clean the church today? They might do that. If they are, they are fantastically motivated people. What they do, they do it out of service. That's the way they show their reflection and service for God because Jesus died for them. And that's the way that they say thank you. Isn't it? So let's us say thank you by doing acts of kindness. So can we this week serve others? Put your serving on steroids. Find things to do and change other people's lives around you. What will happen? It will begin to change you. Because what happens, we think sometimes, our theology, 21st century um, thinking is all about mindset thinking. It's all internal, that the internal actually affects the external. Jesus teaches the opposite. Jesus teaches the opposite, that the external actually changes the internal. It's our behaviors as we do things, as we are forced to love our enemy, and do that physically, externally, so he softens our heart. So we pick up the mirror instead of the magnifying glass in so doing, so he softens our heart, and we change to be more like Jesus. So we'll serve. The other way that we can do it is to give. Give of our time, give of our finance. Who are you going to spoil this week? Send someone a gift this week. Think of someone, someone who's in need maybe this week. Maybe just do something for them. You know, mum used to say that when, um, it's uh, three days time, it's October 25th, and it's going to be six years since my uh, dad passed away. And we had as a family quite a harrowing uh, final six months caring for my father who uh, died of a brain tumor. But mum to this day, to this day, never forgets the people that would arrive at the house. Wouldn't sometimes even come to visit. There would just be a knock on the door. And they would hand a lasagna over and say, that's something for you. You know, kindness is something wonderful, isn't it? Who do we know in our lives right now that's really struggling with stuff? Can we show them an, an act of kindness? Can we give them a cup in Jesus' name? Can we feed them in Jesus' name? Can we clothe them? In Jesus' name. Let's make a difference. Because in so doing, I promise you, as you do these things, in so doing, you'll become unoffendable. Because your plank will begin to shrink and get smaller and smaller and smaller. And it'll shrink so much that you'll not even notice the specks that are in other people's eyes whatsoever. Father God, we love you. 
we thank you for those wonderful words that you spoke on the cross the ultimate words of compassion the ultimate unoffendable words that you spoke when you said forgive them Lord forgive them father for you they know not what they do instead of judging you turned around and saw all those people the Roman soldiers the centurions the system they are sin father God I thank you that instead of putting a plank in your eye that the Son of God decided to be nailed to a plank so that we could be set free and in setting us free he powers our life in radical ways so that we turn into the happiest people on earth we turn into the most wonderful people on earth the most unoffendable people on earth because of the power of Jesus Christ that's at work in our lives help us we ask in Jesus name Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.